Hello and welcome to the Creative Shoefly Podcast. I'm Thomas Butel. This podcast is about exploring the creative journey as an artist, and in this episode, I wanted to try something new and improvisational. I call it You and I Make a Thing. I invited my friend Mercedes to come up with a theme or project that we could do together and then talk about. My intent was to combine two recordings, one where we decide on what to do, and then the second, a week or two later, where we talk about what we did. Well, it turns out that Mercedes was way ahead of me, as you'll see. I think you'll like this conversation. Well, Mercedes, welcome to the Creative Shoefly podcast. I'm so excited to be talking with you today about our topic, and we'll expand on that in just a bit. I know you as a musician, a songwriter, a painter, and a writer of words, and I'm sure many, many other things. I'm just curious to know, are there any creative projects that you're working on at the moment? Well, uh, first of all, Thomas, thank you so much for having me here. This has been a great experience preparing for this. And uh, yes, there are a lot of things going on in my mind. As uh-huh. you know, I am a multi-potentialite, so I don't have one project in hand. I usually have a fan of them. But basically, I'm working on using my mediums, music, performing basically my piano, uh-huh. fine arts, you know, painting some cards and canvases. Mm-hmm. And doing some writing to incorporate my idea of soul making and this connection to the inner power into my work. I've been like going around it for several years, naming it as creativity or life skills. But yeah. I want to put it in a way that I can share with other people what the artistic journey has been for me, but most of all, how it has taught me to live, to live from authenticity. Mm, right. I, I love that. I love that notion of creating from authenticity because that's when it feels right, when it feels the most true. And you mentioned being a multi-potentialite and I am a multi-potentialite too, so I can totally relate to having so many different creative projects going on at once. It's the same for me. And part of the reason that I continue to do this podcast, The Creative Shoe Fly, is also to discover what the creative journey is for me. So thank you for that. You know, when I spoke with you, Mercedes, the last time, I didn't record our session. And the reason was is that we were just talking about, you know, what is it that we wanted to do? And I told you, I had come up with this idea of you and I make a thing. And my concept there was that we would have a conversation about what type of things do we want to work on that we might not have done before. And you asked me some questions at the time, and I gave you an example. And I said, Mercedes, you know, this was back about a month ago. I I was working at the time on creating a comic and it was about a bit of history, actually local history here in San Francisco. It was called the Broderick-Terry duel, where two politicians had a duel and one of them was killed in the process. 
and it had a big impact on local politics here and on California for that matter as well. And I was telling you how I was struggling a little bit with that because I'd never made a comic before. And you said, I love that idea. Let's do the duel. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a little bit unexpected at that point because I was just giving what I was doing as an example. But actually, it's kind of perfect because I really was struggling at that point. You said the duel is a sort of perfect metaphor. So I'd like to know a little bit about, like, what were you thinking in that moment and why did that resonate for you? Well, it is because for me, being an artist wasn't an easy choice. It was not what everybody was expecting from me, not even Uh myself. Uh For many times in my life, I even felt it like, you know, this very funny series called Monk always comes to me. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, uh-huh. you know. So the discovery of being an artist that started with being a musician for me was kind of a blessing. I, I thought like you know something marvelous had opened, but the journey was very painful because I started very old because there was a lot of opposition and lack of support. So, but L- lack of support from people around you, from people around me, from the uh-huh. country, from from you know lack of resources. Yeah. I started to be a classical musician at 17 when everybody's graduating. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but what I discovered through my experience as a student, as a teacher, as a, you know, lecturer and all that was that when I was teaching and doing music, it was beyond music. I was teaching and learning about life. Mm. And from since I was a, a kid, my search was about the meaning of life. Yeah. Why it seemed around me that life was so lack of luster, you know, like so much suffering, so much lack of uh, enthusiasm, engagement. Mm. When I, when, what I saw was a, a lot of beauty, wonder, and I couldn't understand that because I felt it completely different. Yeah. So I discovered that. Part of the things is that since we are born, we are taught not to be ourselves, not to free, not to answer the call of our souls. But it's there openly talking to us when we are kids, through imagination, through the joy, through the exploration. So instead of growing up into that joy, exploration and embracing of the call, you know, we grow apart. We, We buried it. We even see it rejected with shame or mm-hmm. guilt. So my journey as an artist has to rediscover that spark of divinity that we come from is actually the life that will take us in a long journey of a fulfilling life. So my music taught me a lot about it because when you're learning to play an instrument, I always told my students and all people around me that an instrument, it's like a polygraph. It's a, it's a truth machine. Mm -hmm. You cannot fake it. Yeah. You might, after a lot of time, a lot lot of training and technique, you might fake, you know, virtuosism. Artistry cannot be fake. Mm -hmm. Real connection with that magic that it's beyond you. 
that when it's not about you, your ego, but about the beauty or the message you channel, that cannot be faked. And that needs completely commitment and surrender to who you are and who you will be. Yeah. And that's very scary, Thomas, extremely scary because you feel completely vulnerable. I think that I felt most of my life completely naked and, yeah. and incapable of protecting myself. Yeah. What I did was start building protections. But if you build protections and you quiet the inner voice of your soul, of your purpose, you don't become happier. <laughs> <laughs> you don't become more creative, you know? Yeah. My solution at the time was to become secretive. I hid all my talents. I just share it very, very little with some people or didn't share it at all. But when you have this fire inside of you, for me, it was completely impossible to watch. That's what I mean. It's a curse. You know, <laughs> I tried many times to quit, but I couldn't. So I found this weird uh, you know, ground way in which, okay, I will keep growing as an artist, yeah. growing all that is inside of me, but I will do it in secret. Mm, okay. Also, which also beats the purpose because the idea of art is transcendence, is transformation, is to share it with others. It's not for you. You are just a vessel, just a channel. You mentioned the word enthusiasm. And, and the root of that word, actually, if you look at it, it means filled with God or filled with spirit. And enthusiasm used to be an insult. It meant that, you know, these people are dancing around for no reason whatsoever. They're being animated by some spirit, and it's not themselves. But it's actually the opposite is true. When you're filled with that spirit, that's the true you coming through. That's the yes. true part of you coming through. And and the problem, Thomas, I see, I see in today's world is that not only we criticize it, it's that we have become suspicious of everything that we cannot see. Yeah. Suspicious of all those invisible, intangible things that actually make for our humanity and connect us, us with that eternal part of us, which we are supposed to enjoy and expand. And that's the place where the metaphor came from. When you mm -hmm. talked about the duel, for me, mm -hmm. was you know all my fireworks inside my head went on yeah because I said, yes say say more journey. about that say more but, about what the duel meant for you okay it's about the journey of, of you know we have seen this in a hero journey we have seen this in books and stories i wasn't battling the outside monsters or dragons or an army uh -huh. yeah <laughs> battling my own demons yeah so the duel was this battle into what I call my angel voices, which are the voices of my inner power, of my source, of my of my soul telling me, this is what you're meant to do, do it. And then the voices of my demons, which is the voices of all my training, experience, past wounds, the beliefs that constrain me that say, you cannot do that. You don't deserve it. What are you doing? No, you cannot do that. That's not how the world works. You know, mm -hmm. you have to follow the standards. You have to do what other people say. You cannot be different. That's not right. 
So this dual has been a constant in my process of growth to become an, an artist, you know? And, and, but I couldn't escape it. So did you continue and just expand? Mm. There was some, sometimes when somebody told me, very important to me, you have to stop being a musician. You don't see that that's not, doesn't pay that is, you know, so you have to study something else. You have to become some, something else. And I say, okay, I became a fine arts and sculptor. Uh -huh. No, I didn't told you that wasn't what I wanted you to do. I want you to do something else. So and these are outside my, voices telling you this. These are real voices that were in agreement with my inner voices that remind me of what they said. Every time I fail or fell doubt. I see. Or, or things didn't go well. A part of me was terrified. What if what all these people told me, it's true. And I am just, you know, lying to myself. The inner demon voices were getting validation from the outside, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. I see. Okay. So they come in the sense of constant doubts, the fear of showing up as I am, the trying to use white gloves to, you know, decorate my way of feeling, talking, or or you know, or expressing in a way that can be understood or not attacked by others mm -hmm. but the problem is thomas that for example when i paint when i write especially when i play my piano i cannot use white gloves because it doesn't come out you know Music you can't use white gloves no I, what i can say is that i cannot fake it i see and that is that is what it's so terrifying about being a stage for me or was as a pianist. It's because I couldn't fake it. I couldn't make the truth sound less ethereal or soulful mm. or, you know, more standard. I couldn't. And it was terrifying then to, to, to show up and say, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot fake it here. It's not that I can fake it in other stages, but what I'm trying to say is that when you are an artist, if you really want to express there is no way you can use logic rationalizations right. it's right. not the formula of handling it's something inside of you that takes over because if not you will you will go nuts you know there are too <laughs> many things that are happening at the same time no mind can handle them all well mercedes i know that this discussion of the inner duel inspired you because you surprised and delighted me by sending a recording to me, maybe a week, a week and a half after we had our first discussion. And it's a wonderful recording. And what I will do is I will put portions of your recording at the end of this podcast. And you describe in, in your recording this idea of the artistic journey as a hero's journey and the duel that happens within. And you interleave that with your piano compositions and, and the songs that you composed specifically for it. And I thought it was so wonderful because you were really expressing emotion through your piano performance. And I, again, I was just so delighted to receive that from you. So I want to say a big thank you for, for okay. doing that. And so I have some questions about that. You know, we, we've already gone over some of it in our discussion already, you mentioned in your recording 
one of the things that you said was emotions are mirrors to the deathly unconscious beliefs, myths, and impossible standards. Say a little bit more about that. I like how you how you say that emotions are mirrors. Okay, so remember that one of the premises we decided for this experience was to do something we had never done before. Yeah. So for me, composing in the moment and as I was thinking about, you know, putting words was like, okay, I am completely vulnerable here. I don't know what is going to come out. I don't know. So I wanted to do something completely new that I didn't feel I had like, you know, once like the right, because, you know, I'm not an expert in this Yeah. because I wanted to bring all those emotions on. So what right. are the I say the emotions are mirrors. It's that every time we feel these complex emotions, and I'm talking more about those emotions that constrain us. Right. I'm not talking about love. I'm not talking about wonder or surrender or, or appreciation. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about fear. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about guilt or shame. These emotions come all up and interrupt the process of creation right so you're playing and instead of playing naturally your hands are completely stiff your muscles start to feel painful mm -hmm. you have butterflies in your stomach and you start missing notes or or the ideas just go away or you are like stuttering over mm -hmm. something that it's your own voice your own yeah. creation and I was like, but why is this? Well, this is because I'm bringing up a bunch of, and I'm going to name it, trash from the past that I give in so much importance that has become my default. Mm -hmm. So the only way I can, I can actually understand this is by facing them, which I won't say is an easy task. It isn't. Because after you pass this shame or guilt or, you know, and, and I am grateful to you, uh, Thomas, for giving me the opportunity to do this, because the fact that I promise you I will do it made me continue to do it, even though all those emotions were coming. But you have to feel all those emotions and let them go to reach appreciation, to reach gratitude, to mm -hmm. understand. Oh, the why I do this is not because I need to prove something. It's not because the world is asking me. It's not because this is what musicians are supposed to do. It's because I love it. It's because yeah. I breathe music. It's because when I am doing this and I get goosebumps in this moment, I feel more alive than ever. It doesn't matter if my mind tells me you don't deserve it. You are not good enough. My heart tells me this is you right mercedes i felt almost exactly the same thing when i was going through what i was going through so i'm a member of a local artist collective called the board side there's four of us and i was asked to contribute to an upcoming zine and in this case it it was a comic about the broderick terry duel and i had never created a comic before so I felt the same thing. It's like I was grateful and thankful for them giving me that prompt. 
and and I've done many many creative things in my past. I'm I'm a maker. I I like to make things, but I've never done this specific thing before. And I didn't read a lot of comics when I was a kid. I read maybe you know I read some Mad magazine, and when I was a little older, I liked The Far Side from Gary Larson. And here I am saying yes to drawing comics for the first time. And I, I, you're so right. It's like, it was a struggle, right? I had to learn new tools. I had to learn how to use Procreate on the iPad and I had to use, figure out how to use Comic Life on the Mac. And I, you know, how do I make these things? How do I make it look like something? And when I got the first panel done, I had to do a total of nine panels. When I got the first panel done, you're right. I felt so alive by it. I felt so like, wow, I can do this. You know, I can actually see a path, a creative path through creating the final product. And that aliveness is just, it's indescribable, really. It's, it really is indescribable. I was definitely battling imposter syndromes, like, who do you think you are drawing comics? <laughs> um, I was feeling just massive resistance. And here was, I I finished that first panel and it, and it felt amazing. And it's like, okay, now I can move on. And I have to say that he shared it with me and it was really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I, I would like to add, Thomas, that part of the problem that I see first is that when you learn some techniques for a, for a one piece, when you play an instrument, that techniques will serve you as an scaffolding step for other higher level pieces. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is that the skills we learn, if we learn them well, they are transferable to yeah. any field. They really are. Yes. And part of the problem we have as artists and, and as everything in the society of today is that we think we have to be perfect from the beginning because what we see is the results. We don't see the journey, the hero journey. We yeah. don't see the battle. We don't see the failures. We don't see the pain. We don't see the wounds. We do only see, oh, this artist is just great. Look what he did. And then if you try to compare yourself to that end result, and you know that the gap, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. I'd like you to, to comment a little bit about, you, you mentioned in your recording about mentors and about going to YouTube and different places. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, of course. I, I've been a rebel student. I am a very good student, but I'm also a rebel. Uh, I'd like to gather information and I like to feel that the information that is given to me, it's not only solid, grounded, but it's but it also can help me see the world in different ways. So nowadays, you know, when, when I was a student, uh, because I wasn't old, supposedly, I couldn't go to music school. So I have to somehow do what you in America can do in some humanistic careers, which is build your own. Uh -huh. So I'm the kind of person who builds her own mentorship, a group of <laughs> associate helpers. You know, of course, I would love to have people around me or 
uh, go to school sometimes or do things. And sometimes I can't, but then I there are other resources. And for that, internet nowadays is fantastic. If you know how to research, you can find amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing information. So my mentors are, of course, some of the teachers I had in life, but most of all, Thomas, my mentors have been books, mm -hmm. have been looking for things in YouTube to get inspirations and listening to myself. Even if it's all twisted and full of doubts, listening to myself. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And we, we are actually so blessed nowadays to connect in so many different ways. Sometimes mentors come along sort of unexpectedly and you, yes. you didn't think about, you wouldn't have guessed that that's where an important message comes from. For me, I was, I was really stuck and I needed a diversion, and so I put on Disney Plus, and there was a documentary about Industrial Light Magic, you know, the company that made the special effects for the original Star Wars. Okay. And, and you know, they were in a sort of a similar place. They were trying to create effects that had never been done before, and and they had already spent a million dollars creating the cameras and the equipment to take the shots, but they had hardly had any shots, you know, done whatsoever. And the uh, movie was just months away from being released in the theaters. And so, it, you know, at one point it looked like they were going to fail. But the one word that sort of permeated that whole organization was persistence. They the um the documentary said that's what it was about it was all about persistence and you know what's funny about that is i'm i'm sitting there i'm thinking about it i'm thinking that's exactly what i need at that moment i needed to hear that at that moment to just persist and and so like i said i wasn't expecting to hear any particular mentoring messages at all I just needed a diversion at that point, but it was the right message at the right time for me. And I, I said to myself, that's what I need. I need to persist. I just need to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and I'll get through it. And so it was a, it was a really nice message to, to receive at that point in time. Sometimes I feel like the universe just is there for you. <laughs> yes. If and, you're listening, and... if you're open to it. Yes, and, and if you allowed me, I would like to say that I had a similar experience as yours uh -huh. in, the, in one of the worst, lowest moments of my life, a real, 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 real dark night of the soul. I came up with a series, a BBC series, and it, it was like, you know, it was like numb. I, 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 I'm going to say I felt so bad that day that I even told my soul that it was fired. Mm. I fired you. Oh no. And this, I watched all the episodes. It, it was a BBC take of Merlin as a youth. And that inspired me the path I am now in life. Mm. That, that series caused me to reflect on many, many things that I knew and perhaps have forgot. And 
you know, you touch also in, in, about something that we as human beings and as an artist forget, that it's easy when you are traveling a path that others have traveled mm -hmm. to gain insights. And I'm thank you. Thank you for all of you who share so generously your findings and your knowledge through all these channels, books and YouTube and made it accessible. Right. Now, there's a difference when you are doing something that never has been done because there are no models. And that, that's the moment where you wrestle with so many demons and doubts and where you need a lot of persistence and trust the truth of your vision because you're going to fail a lot. And we are in a society that doesn't understand failure as a step of exploration, right. as a compass to, you know, to go back into the, the the correct track that will take you where you want to go. So, yes, it's very hard when you are doing something that nobody else has done or where you see a vision of something that you cannot find others' responses. But then you have to trust to gather whatever little insights you can gather around and trust your intuition. And that's a tall order nowadays because it, we are not taught that. It is, it is. But I like what you said earlier about how every skill is transferable. And that's something we always have to keep in mind that this is actually very true for multi-potentialites, right? We sometimes lose sight of the fact that we have all these different skills that we've gained from all the different avenues that we've gone down. And that is something that's powerful that allows you to do something that's never been done before, because you can take little bits from this and that, that you've learned all these little bits and put them together and create something brand new. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was thinking about, yes, multi-potential acts can make of that an event like the four of you live. Because we can put so many skills and transfer so many skills that you can see, you know, fireworks going everywhere. But we have to remember that everybody, everybody is creative. Yes. Everybody is creative. And that is the essence of creativity. Whatever you know can be used in multiple ways mm -hmm. just if you give it a chance. Yeah. Mercedes, so how did you feel once you finished your recording for me? What came out of that for you? Uh, okay, I feel excited, uh -huh. nervous, uh, surprised. Surprised? Yes, yes, because I am sometimes surprised of the things I can do when I put my mind into it. Right. And one of the things I love about doing this kind of thing with, like, what you propose, Thomas, or in other communities that I've been involved, is I always go for the challenges. Mm -hmm. Because the challenges, and I do it in a natural way, not to prove anything, not. I try. If there's a challenge inside of me, something ask like, well, let's try it. What if? And that's how I discover I could write poetry. That's how I discover I could write books or tell stories because somebody throw a challenge, I say, a gown, you know, and I say, I'll take it. And then, yes, I sweat, 
I might cry, I might tremble, I might, you know, knock my head on the wall and say, why <laughs> your big mouth, why you always have to do this? But at the end, things come up. And when you are at the end of the journey, I look back and say, oh, oh my God, really? I can do this? And you might not continue to develop that specific skill or specific thing you were doing, but you know how many doors open when you discover that you have more skills or abilities than you ever thought possible? Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. And I was surprised too. You know, I'm surprised on a couple levels. One is I'm surprised about what's come out of this journey that we're doing right now in this podcast. And I was also surprised when I finished the comic and I said, wow, I can do that. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely yes. right. I don't know if I'm going to do another comic at some point, but now I know I can. <laughs> and it's just a, it's just a wonderful feeling. It's a great feeling. What a, <laughs> what a, what a gift it is to surprise ourselves. Yes, you know? it is. It is. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Mercedes, thank you so much. This this was a wonderful conversation and a wonderful journey, a wonderful project. I want I want you to know how grateful I am for for you to play along, to discover and to be surprised. I'm just so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you to you too, Thomas, for giving me this opportunity to explore and learn more about myself, the creative process, and to have an opportunity to tell others all that wonderful richness of creation of power is also inside of you. You don't have to be a multi-potentialite. You don't have to be an artist. You just have to be you. And yeah. the world is blessed for having you. So, so you know, there to explore, there to fail, there to succeed, there to try things, there to allow your, your inner force, your soul to come up and guide you. Because what comes out, it's wonderful. That was You and I Make a Thing with my friend Mercedes. I really enjoyed exploring this idea, and I'm planning to record more episodes like this, so please stay tuned. My Broderick Terry dual comic was published in issue number four of the Boardside Zine, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mercedes recorded her thoughts of the inner duel as prose and music, and rather than link to it, I've added it to the end of this podcast. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. After a lovely chat with Thomas, in which I went to the moon and he brought me back, I decided to collaborate with him in a journey of exploration of the creative process. And some of the questions went like, how do I get out of my way and turn creative practice into something experimental, exploratory, and even collaborative? And what are the daily routines, how it starts, continues, and ends? Experimental and exploratory resonated deeply within me because they are essential to the creative impulse. Yet, judgment and fear can quell my attempts to blow with the unknown. A mindset that is open to what is needs to be embraced and nurtured consciously. 
collaboration made me stop to think, as most of my work flies solo. With whom am I collaborating most of the time? I think it's with the creative impulse in me, that inner sparks who serve as co-creators in our lives. For me, the artistic yearning is a hero's yearning. We are entering the territory we didn't know before and facing obstacles, finding allies and hopefully coming with some wisdom and a treasure, a masterpiece. So how do we cast ourselves as heroes? That's where choice comes in. Do I answer the call or not? I chose to say yes to this project and to approach the same subject as Thomas, but from a different perspective and creative medium. Now, what I call the psychological map of disruption. I have a conference of archetypes living in my head who can be very noisy and never agree to anything. It's like a political debate where instead of coming together around our strengths, and how we can use them for the better good, they attack each other's vulnerabilities to gain a place of preeminence. Even when expertise and passion act as arbitrators, there are default thinking patterns and old stories playing in my head without my permission and putting my emotions in total chaos. It doesn't matter how much experience I have with giving birth to creative projects, I seem not to be able to avoid the fires of purification. The act of creation and I become a living paradox. Although logic understands I am entering a well-known vicious circle, my heart will like to skip the torture going directly into business.
But every time I begin a new project, I feel pulled by opposing forces, which of course drives me crazy and triggers the old story of self-doubt or not having what it takes. And I chase my tail like a dog and drown in creative anxiety until I muster a bit of courage and take the first step. That is enough. The first step. On to the next round. Granted, there's a lot of rubbish we need to produce before we can reach the gods of creation. Tons of experienced material, orphan drafts, wrinkled ones, and plain angrily tore ones fill the bucket of my studio. And my patience. I'm sure you have heard it millions of times like me not to take ourselves too seriously, that the road to greatness is filled with discarded bodies. It still stinks. The pain of rejection, the emptiness after putting so much effort, the doubts, and worse, the recognition, this is trash. It does take speaker, period. These emotions are mirrors to the deadly unconscious beliefs, myths, and impossible standards we've set for ourselves when questioning our fate, to be or not to be an artist. Let's face it, for the love for art, we might embrace starving, but if we cannot afford art materials, we're doomed. Thus, we enter a world of commodity, societal expectations, third parties, collectors, markets, originality, galleries, and standards. And in contrast, the mysterious one of the fragile human heart. And we leap and begin a long and winding road where success seems as possible as being invited to dine with Queen Elizabeth, while creative sacrifice or death becomes the highest probability.
Does this deter us from becoming artists? No. Who do you think you're talking to? Some of us jump on the first boat to chaos and live in the artistic life. Others quit and live under the banner. I am just not that creative, you know. It's just a hobby. I have no time for that. And little by little, the world dries. I learned that the journey to find our voice and express it in unique ways is as personal and it is intricated and weird. Yes, it is influenced by our environment, but most of all, in my humble opinion, by the world of invisible creatures living in our heads and hearts for free. Some of these tenants are as old as times. Others grew up raised with the same ideas and constraints imposed by family and society. These two parts, the invisible and the visible, my battle to the death. And at the highest point of tension, we are faced with an escapable choice. A part of us enters the arena armed with deadly weapons in order to settle a point of honor. They throw the gaunt and scream, duel! Does it sound familiar? I'm not sure I could name parts of myself as Republicans and Democrats. The level of animosity and division is not as deep, I hope, as what we experience in politics. But it is intense and personal. The voices of angels and demons compete inside of me. The latter drawing my inner voice with rationalizations and useless logic, and the former pushing me to soar. And so it begins. The voices of creative impulse, my angels and demons. Let's start with the demons. Research time. As soon as I committed to this interview, I entered the be sure you know what you're doing mode. 
One of my peeves is before actually putting hands on things, I research. Now, when I say I research, I mean I can come up with a list of citations that can scare an academic PhD tutor. My logic brain is very satisfied with my ability to serve the internet as a champion and be lost in waves that become bigger and bigger until I drown myself or end up in Waikiki instead of the beach shore. I'm not saying that research is bad. I love it. Just that I am aware it can also be an excuse, a reason to quit before having to face the fear of failing of not being able to pull this off. Of course, after spending hours or days in this, I'm tired. Oh, this is too difficult. This is one of the dangers of working under the belief I am not good enough, which in artistic fields can be translated as being original, having a sound technique, resources, and so on. Demon two, odd, to distraction. The need freak speaks. I value my ability for organization, categorization, and I understand that clean and neat spaces mean a clean and neat mind. I am not the messy artist, or I am a split personality kind of one. No, I can give myself permission to be messy while I am on it, very messy, as there are never enough color, tubes, brushes, paper towels, mediums, references, or drafts. But before going to bed or changing course, everything is left clean and neatly organized. Now, have you ever spent hours organizing your studio before starting a new project and never started? Or getting stuff in Amazon or Blake that I will surely need afterwards? My studio looks gorgeous. My boxes are coming soon and the work is nowhere to be seen. Demon talk or demon voice used to be my default. All these disassociated patterns and unwritten internal rules stored in my brain, fixed on painful memories and commenting on moment-to-moment -moment experiences in a bad light. The subpar quality of my past decisions, the mistakes I could have avoided, the things I should have done differently, and why did I not listen to other people's advice and opinions instead of my own? Rather than empathizing with my suffering, this voice criticizes and beats me up at every opportunity. All these fear-based voices act like inner bullies, keeping us stuck in the same old cycles and robbing us from the enjoyment of life and creative talents. They do drive us up, our souls and our hearts. What weapons I can identify 
Well, they used the imposter syndrome and perfectionism in my case. And it looks like denial of my achievements, being afraid to be found as a fraud, considering any success as luck, having difficulty with mistakes, micromanaging, minimizing my value and talents, overworking, feeling overwhelmed and tired, doing too much and setting myself for failure and burnout, procrastinating, oh, it's been such a stressful day, I'll do it tomorrow. Now that everything is set, I can start tomorrow. And coping mechanisms, I'll watch a bit of that series I love or read. Also, I make it too big, not allow the project to grow organically. Too many ideas, all the ideas in one work. Or I need to pay the bills. Nobody will care anyway, so why do it? The truth is, I do. I do care. Coffee, dear coffee, where are you? This is not happening again, I told myself. I used to like going to cafes to work on ideas because seeing others doing so motivated me. Now they have become too noisy. So an espresso machine and a frother will come the psychedelic gate to inspiration. It relaxes me. Coffee. Yes, I can drink coffee at three in the morning and sleep like a baby. Then add meditation music or an old TV series that I have already seen a hundred times, so it doesn't need my attention. And I'm ready for work. Let's move into angelic talk. The angel voice is the inner voice of our soul, using intuition for guidance and support. This voice reflects the energy of love, the messages are supportive, filled with gentleness, and there's no sense of urgency. It's the reach for the stars, aim higher. The voice instilling self-belief and encouraging me to be the very best version of who I can be. This voice is subtly, which is why it can be varied by the rude and louder demonic talk. There's nothing more powerful than trusting ourselves and confidently following our inner wisdom. This voice feels right, no matter how illogical it might sound. There's a mischievous pleasure in following it. Now, the real work for me, beyond my art, is making this voice my default compass to life and co-creation making the collaboration with my inner spark, my talent, my source, part of my process, day-to-day -day process.
what helps my angel voice. Some of the things I use is I set accountability partners. I use the Pomodoro technique, organize the room, but let the canvas look at me intently. Do a thing once a day, even a tiny, tiny thing, or once or twice a week. Change creative pursuits when I feel stuck, moving from writing to painting to playing. Go to my mentors for guidance, YouTube videos, books, other artists, friends. Most of all, be compassionate. Treat myself as a dear friend. Say thanks and breathe when a bad image or thought enters my mind and invite them to move into a better landscape. Sometimes I even create a funny song or an imaginary cartoon in my head so it makes me laugh and it loses its grasp. I even give them names. So I acknowledge the thought, knowing what I am telling myself, and move on. I give time, time to the energy to dissipate. I also work in creating spaces for my inner voice to come through by incorporating more quiet time into my day just to be present and listen to what wants to come up. That will make a lot of difference. You will be amazed at the wisdom that can come through even in daily routines as taking a shower or washing dishes. The other thing is look for the pattern. How does this voice, the good and the bad, usually speak to me? And what can I learn about them? And what can I learn about tuning into the angelic voice? Trust, that's another big one for me. Learning to trust and letting go. And lastly, sharing. Sharing what I envision, sharing what I'm working on. It helps to see that it's not only me facing these challenges. So bringing all this conflict into awareness is an important part of the creative process. To summarize, I am to move into creating from a place of potential and healing rather than from the wound. To dance along the edges of my creative impulse, looking to craft that which longs to emerge in its own time and rhythm to give it a space to breathe while I explore it in wonder, like a beautiful and rare thing, taking shape slowly, bit by bit, into the flow of creative impulse until a tangible expression of imagination and receptivity becomes art.